Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Field Talk podcast from the Linder Farm Network. I'm your host, Dan Lemke. U.S. farmers are expected to plant 87 and one half million acres of soybeans in 2023. That's according to the Planting Intentions Report from the USDA National Agricultural Statistics Service. A good portion of those soybeans will be consumed domestically, but a large portion are destined for markets outside the U.S. Soybean checkoff dollars are invested in ways to help cultivate new markets for soybeans. Minnesota Soybean Research and Promotion Council Director Rochelle Kruzmark joins this Field Talk podcast to explain more about how, where, and why checkoff funds are invested. So my husband Brad and I and our oldest son, AJ, farm here near Trimont and Truman, and we are on a corn and soybean rotation and and we plant cover crops on all of our acres. Uh, we strip till and, and use no-till uh, cultivation practices. And we also custom finish hogs and have a cow-calf beef herd. So what was it with some of the, uh, the, like you said, the cover crops and the strip till? What was it about those practices that uh, seemed to make sense for you? Uh, Brad and I have been uh, now farming together for 43 years since we got married. And conservation has always been a priority for us. We, we both have a strong passion to, for soil health and to leave not only the environment, you know, with, in, in our cultivated fields better, but our whole environment better. You know, I say we, we cohabitate with the wildlife. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, the, all the lakes and streams and water that we have in Minnesota, we want to make sure that we do the best job that we can to, to keep that clean and do our part to, to not pollute that in any way. So we'll, we're always looking at ways that we can work with local soil water conservation districts. And I guess when, when the Minnesota Department of Ag uh, had the encouragement in working with, with commodity groups, uh, developed the Minnesota Agricultural Water Quality Certification Program, we jumped on that opportunity because we thought, well, that's that's our voluntary opportunity as a farmer and ag landowners can uh, get certified with that too, uh, to take the lead on implementing conservation practices that protect our water. Now you had mentioned the, the commodity groups, and obviously you've been involved with the uh, Minnesota Soybean Research and Promotion Council uh, for a number of years. Tell me a little bit about that involvement. Well, I was actually a, a member of MARO, the Minnesota Agriculture Rural Leadership Group, and Minnesota Soybean and Minnesota Corn and other groups help sponsor MARO. And so they the Minnesota Soybean Council asked me to come and just give a little report on my participation, and so I did. And 
then uh, <clears throat> then I was asked to become you know more active in bees and corn and soybeans and up until that point uh, really didn't feel I had time <laughs> to to spend a lot of time off the farm because I had been teaching and I quit teaching. I started being a crop insurance adjuster, and so I thought, well, well I don't know if I have time. But then our son was getting old enough, and, and he was our younger son, and he was farming a little bit. He doesn't farm now, but he, he did at that time. And so we talked about it as a family, and said, oh, now's the time to get involved. We've been involved in pork producers uh, prior to that, but now we thought, well. We can do that. You know, the operate we weren't farrowing anymore, which was a big time commitment to, to farrow the sows. We just finished at that time. We still do. So that's that's why I got involved. And, uh, I was fortunate enough to not only serve on the Minnesota Council, but I served on the United Soybean Board. Got leadership there for six years. I'm still on the Soybean Council, but. Uh, it's a great opportunity to for for farmers to commit that time to be a voice and be able to represent your neighbors and people from all over your district across the state to choose how we invest our checkoff dollars is what it boils down to and you know there's a a lot of ways that we invest our checkoff dollars. What are some of the things that are, uh, you know, opportunities, I guess, that are out there or are uh, um, near and dear to your heart as far as checkoff investment goes? We export about 60% of the soybeans that we grow here in the United States. And Minnesota is a little unique because we produce more food, uh, soybeans for food, than any other state. So in our council looks at it as well, how can we how can we promote and, and uh, increase our market access for the soybeans that we grow here in Minnesota. So we looked at how we can expand those markets. And I thought, well, some of these smaller countries with smaller ports rely on containers. They can't get a Panamax, great big cargo ship, into their ports. We're fortunate here in Minnesota. We have the Mississippi River, and we have rail systems that go out to the Pacific Northwest. And we also have a port right here in Duluth, which small ships can go through Halifax, uh, you know, Nova Scotia to Duluth, but they're smaller ships, smaller containers that can be transported to some of these smaller countries. So we've invested uh, some, some funds to get like Morocco and Uzbekistan and Netherlands to try to increase those, those markets. And just last week, there was a trade mission that Joe Smentek, the uh, executive director for Minnesota Soybean Union, 
growers participated in in the Netherlands. So that's very encouraging. That'll open a lot of doors. And one of the things that allows us to market into some of those countries that that really want they want to know how their food is grown, which probably more consumers should be aware of. And that's the, uh, that brings me back to that water certification program. Minnesota is the only state that has that, even though the, the United Soybean Export Council has had the soy sustainability protocol for several years. That water quality certification program, like I said before, is volunteer. And once you get certified in that program, there's also endorsements available. Uh, and I think it's like Climate Smart Farm and Soil Health, Integrated Pest Management, Wildlife. And then if you uh, use irrigation, there's also a irrigation, uh, irrigation water also get so these endorsements are are available after you've got your water quality certification but anybody that's would like to learn more about that can go on the website and i'm sure there's a link to that at our minnesota soybean website otherwise you can go to the minnesota department of ag website be there too and that does, it, it has uh, expanded our market opportunities because of, of uh, having that endorsement or that certification that says that this is how these soybeans are grown you know, with these considerations. Uh, and so that that opens that market uh, to some countries that it's important to, to continue to foster new market opportunities. So in a case like this where you do have uh, some some protocols to back it up, how impactful is that in, in helping to kind of foster those new markets? Well, the other way that we foster those new markets is by uh, our communications team. You know, uh, and let me brag on them for a while. <laughs> our comms team walked away with six first place awards at, at the Region 3 Native Awards in January and now this week they, they head to St. Louis to uh, get some national awards. So that's really exciting. But uh, we also uh, focus on new uses. You know, what are other uh, what are other uses that soybeans can be used for? Uh, our, we call it step-up campaign. So better backtrack a little bit. So about 10 or 12 years ago, um, the United Soybean Board made a partnership with Goodyear Tire to use soybean oil uh, that replaces petroleum in tires. And that was very successful. And so now they've got several lines of tires that contain soybeans. And by 2040, they will not have petroleum in it. It'll be all soybean oil and other other uh, 
renewable oils in their in their tires. And so we had a driving soy campaign a couple of years ago. And when I was on the United Soybean Board, we said, well, what else can that rubber be used for then? Started working with sketchers and they're putting it in the soles of tennis shoes. Who doesn't have a pair of tennis shoes? So then last year, uh, Minnesota Soybean Communications came up with a stepping up campaign and allowed counties to purchase tennis shoes for frontline workers. And we donated several hundred pairs of uh, Skechers tennis shoes to frontline workers in hospitals and nursing homes and clinics across the state of Minnesota. So that's a, another exciting new use that we have seen in addition to some of the industrial uses, adhesives that replace some of the formaldehydes and plywoods and, and particle board and stuff like that. I mean, I say, you know, soy, soy really is the magic bead. With you guys having uh, oversight of, uh, you know, checkoff funds, I'm sure there's a lot of opportunities out there for, for investment, but what is the process? How do, how do you guys go through all these, um, you know, potential projects and ideas to make sure that you're investing those uh, farmer checkoff dollars wisely? Well, that's a great question. So the vetting process is that um, we have different action teams that we divide up into. And so each action team um, looks at what the priorities are, maybe what we want to focus on. And then we send out um, that those focus areas and then groups or you know, might be universities or uh, inventors or uh, research groups or whoever whatever the action team might be, um, looks at that and says, oh, I can do that. And they uh, apply, and then we go through all those applications, and we meet with them in interviews, and then we meet as an action team and decide which ones we would recommend to the full council, and then the full council of 15 directors from across the eight districts across the state select which which projects we want to invest in. So anything else that you uh, would really like farmers to know about uh, what the council is doing on their behalf? Well, another really exciting thing for me in particular is I represent Minnesota soybean at uh, on the USFRA board. The U.S. Farm and Ranchers in Action Board, and USFRA is is really a, focused on making sure that audiences outside of our little little bubble uh, hear the work and the critical role of farmers and ranchers and U.S. agriculture. We we all know that U.S. agriculture is part of the solution. And USFRA is 
striving to educate audiences both here and in the U.S. and on a global stage on why that is so so important. And some of the really exciting things coming up here at USFRA, um, you may have heard about the upcoming National Academy of Sciences report that sounds like it's going to be out now this year. They've been saying that for about a year, year and a half, but apparently COVID slowed it down. Well, that National Academy of Sciences report, uh, USFRA has been tracking the efforts and, and really expect U.S. Ag's rule as a potential carbon sink to be front and center. And so we decided that we really needed to join in their efforts and for them join us in those efforts um, to really figure out how we can promote this potential information as we advocate for U.S. agriculture. And UXFRA will be hosting Honor the Harvest Forum on a ranch in Texas this September. It's the fifth year that we convene leaders from across the entire food value chain. And this year is the first time it will be on a ranch. It's been on farms the other four years. And we decided to host it on a ranch because we are U.S. farmers and ranchers in action. And this is a real good chance to showcase uh, a critical role of animal protein. And another thing that the US FRA does is, you know, a few years ago, we, uh, I think it was right before COVID, so it must have been 2019, and a bunch of us were together, and uh, it kept, kept coming up. People were saying, well, so where's the sector going? What's what's going to happen here? And what we realized is that we needed to figure that out. So that birthed the decade of ag, we, we call it. And uh, the decade of ag is um, really a, it launches out, it, it gave USFRA the, the license to be the leader in that communication of, you know, where, where are we headed? And here, four years later, we've got about 200 partners in that. And just, it's going very strong. And we got noticed on the global stage. And so USFRA will be involved in the climate change conference. It's in Dubai this summer. We'll have a couple of representatives go there presenting, and also at the World Global Forum, for Global Food Forum, and that brings together people and companies that are redefining the food industry you know, and global agricultural economy. Exciting times for agriculture, both showing, uh, you know, the good things that are happening on farms such as yours, as well as uh, the impact that the entire ag industry has not only here at home, but globally. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, if you would have told me that this was going to happen like 10 years ago, I, I might have laughed because uh, who would have ever guessed? And I, and I think part of that 
is has come about because of COVID. You know, when we couldn't do things in person, we ended up in Zoom and we could invite people that uh, would not have traveled to be part of in-person events sometimes, uh, partly maybe for the expense and the time. And so they, they started participating uh, virtually and then that opened up and they saw the importance of meeting in person and actually developing relationships. And it has expanded, uh, the, the outreach is, is amazing. You know, it's, I say, we, we, I never dreamed that we'd be beyond the fields and beyond the barnyard, you know, with, uh, with, with so many uh, partners and, and I see, you know, they, the reason that I think it's so important that Minnesota soybean invests money in USFRA is because USFRA is like the convener of all the barnyard buddies, right? And not only the barnyard buddies, but everybody across the whole food value chain. And we might not always uh, agree on everything, and we're... we're USFRA is not a, a policy. It's it's like the it's like the checkoff, you know, like the soybean council. We, we don't work on policy. We're not lobbyists. We're we're about educating and telling that egg story that to to audiences that don't normally hear about the why and the how. Everybody's so eager to to believe the some of the some of the bad reports, the negative reports. But we want to we want to make sure that the consumers can, can hear from the farmer. To me, is the exciting part is that farm farmer leadership. So you have farmer-led organizations on the checkoff side and at USFRA. That's exciting. Thanks for joining us. Find other podcasts at linderfarmnetwork.com or on Apple and Spotify. And as always, get up-to-date market information and analysis daily from your local LFN affiliate.